Thank you, guys. What a wonderful work Jesus Christ has done for us. Today, we want to talk about our work. We're in a series called God and Your Job, and today we want to talk about standing out at work, uh, how to get a promotion. Uh, you may be thinking, well, I've been stuck in the same job forever. Coworkers of mine get promoted from time to time, but I'm still stuck here. I'm a hard worker. I work well. I never cause any problems. I feel like I ought to be rewarded for my time here at work, for staying here, not moving to another company. Well, if that's what you're thinking, you have a misunderstanding of what it takes to get a promotion. Uh, most people think that promotions are given as a reward for past service. Uh, I performed well on my job in the past, therefore I should get promoted. That simply isn't true. Promotions are not given for past performance. Promotions are given based on the hope of future performance, that you'll do better, accomplish more, uh, be more fruitful, more beneficial to the company in the future. And if you're uh, valuable in your job right now, but you're irreplaceable, uh, you can't promote people who are irreplaceable. Uh, if you're doing an incredible job at what you're doing, nobody wants to move you on. So if you want to get promoted, you need to be training somebody, teaching somebody, preparing somebody to take your spot so that you can be promoted. A lot of times people think, oh, if I do that, they'll, they'll, they'll hire them and fire me. And uh, No, you can't be promoted if you're irreplaceable. So you want to become a, a, have more potential for the next job. That's the key. You know, your boss isn't thinking about your past when he's considering you for a promotion. Oh, she's done such a great job in the past, we'll promote her now. No, they're not thinking about your past, they are thinking about their future. Now, promotions also aren't based on how good you are. Promotions are based on who knows how good you are. You know, you could be really, really good at your job, but if nobody knows it, then you're not going to get promoted. And you may say, oh, I don't want to be bragging. I don't want to be holding myself up. Look, it's not a sin for you to let people know what you're good at. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 15 and 16. He says, don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all to see. In the same way, let your good deeds, let your good work shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You know, God wants you to shine at your work. And He wants your work to be good. He wants everybody to know that it's good. Christians should have the best reputation of anybody else at work. The best reputation for quality work, excellent work, energetic, enthusiastic. You know, God wants you to stand out at work. So how do you stand out? How do you get out of a dead-end job if you feel stuck in it? How do you get a promotion? Well, today we're going to look at six traits that are in demand Six traits that will cause people to want to promote you. And these traits are discovered in the Bible in the life of Joseph. Uh, Genesis 37 to 50, uh, 13 chapters, it's the story of one guy, the story of Joseph. And Joseph has the most amazing promotion story in the world. And this story just lays out for us six traits in Joseph's life that moved him from being in prison to being president. I mean, that, that, that's his, he became in charge of the most powerful empire of his day. Now, here's the background of the story. There was a guy named Abraham, and Abraham had one son named Isaac. And Isaac had one son named Jacob. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're the pillars. They are the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. Now, Jacob didn't have one son. Jacob had 12 
boys, 12 sons. You've heard of the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, those are the 12 sons of Jacob. Each son led a tribe of Israel. And son number 11 was Joseph. And Joseph was Jacob's favorite. And because he was Jacob's favorite, he got preferential treatment among these 12 boys. And it made the other 11 boys jealous. In fact, Jacob bought Joseph a very expensive, very unique, multicolored coat. And Joseph was immature, foolish enough that he wore that coat around and just rubbed his brother's noses in it. I mean, he just, they became so jealous that they came to hate him. In fact, they wanted to kill him. And one time, all the boys were out leading sheep away from the family, away from, away from the father, and the brothers conspired, and they said, look, we're just sick of this guy. Let's just kill him. We'll kill an animal, rub its blood on that coat, show the coat to the father, and tell, us, tell him a bear ate him. Reuben, the oldest brother, said, we can't kill our brother. We just can't do that. Let's sell him into slavery. Okay? Better idea. So some traveling Arabs came by in a caravan, and they sold Joseph to these Arabs. And the Arabs take Joseph down to Egypt, down to the slave market, and auctioned him off to an Egyptian official named Potiphar. And so Joseph goes to work in Potiphar's house. And he does such a good job that Potiphar really begins to like this guy. And he learns to trust Joseph, and he gives him more and more and more responsibility. And pretty soon, Potiphar promotes Joseph to the point where he's in charge of his entire house. And then Mrs. Potiphar begins to notice that Joseph is really good-looking. And so she tries to seduce him. And Joseph, being a man of integrity, he just fends her off, refuses to give in. She chases him, chases him, chases him. He keeps refusing. She finally realizes he's not going to give in. It makes her mad. She feels spurned, and she falsely accuses him of rape. Potiphar, when he hears the accusation, goes crazy, goes ballistic, and has Joseph thrown in jail. So now Joseph's life, he's been rejected by his family, hauled off by these foreigners to a foreign country, sold into slavery, been falsely accused of rape, winds up in prison. Not the plan that he had for his life. Okay? You know, and you may be at a stage in your life where you're thinking, God, this is not what I had planned. But God had Joseph exactly where he wanted him to be. And it just so happened that Pharaoh's cupbearer and his baker had offended Pharaoh at some party. I mean, the gala had gone wrong, and uh, the axe fell on the cupbearer and the baker, and they wound up in the same prison as Joseph. And while they're in prison, they both had dreams that they couldn't understand, they couldn't figure out. And Joseph said, well, I, I don't interpret dreams, but God can tell you the meaning of your dream, and so I'll pray and ask God, and then I'll tell you what God said. And so he tells the cupbearer and the baker, he tells the cupbearer, you are going to be returned, you are going to be restored to power in the palace. Good, good news for the cupbearer. The baker, he says, you're going to be executed. Bad news for the baker. Okay? So Joseph says to the cupbearer, would you remember me when you get back into the palace? Would you put in a good word for me when you get there? The guy says, sure, I will, and then he goes back to the palace, promptly forgets Joseph, doesn't say anything to anybody about him. And then sometime later, Pharaoh has very, very disturbing dreams. He can't figure out what they mean. <clears throat> and he starts asking people in the palace to help him understand them, and the cupbearer remembers, hey, that guy Joseph back in prison interpreted my dream for me, and he tells Pharaoh, I bet that guy could interpret your dream for you. 
So Pharaoh says, get that guy out of prison, bring him over here, I want to see him. So they give Joseph a shave and a haircut, give him a bath, put some new clothes on him, and he comes over, meets Pharaoh, and he correctly interprets Pharaoh's dreams. He says, these two dreams that you had, Pharaoh, mean this. You're going to have seven years of good, a good economy for seven years. Things are going to go great, there's going to be an abundance. And that's going to be followed by seven years of recession, famine, starvation, horrible. And the Pharaoh goes, wow, what do you think I ought to do? And Joseph says, you ought to find the smartest guy you can find and put him in charge of having people save 20% every year for the seven years so that when the seven bad years hit, they've got enough to see him through. And Pharaoh says, well, you're the smartest man I know. So he promotes Joseph, issues a decree to the nation of Egypt, and says, everybody do whatever this guy tells them. The only person with more authority in all of Egypt was, was Pharaoh. Joseph, in effect, became the president, most powerful man on the planet. And not only did he save the nation of Egypt from the famine, but he saved the surrounding nations, including Israel, including his family that had rejected him. Marvelous story of promotion. But how did it happen? You know, from Joseph's life, we can learn six traits that will get you promoted. I'm going to give you six traits today. I'm not giving them an order of importance. They're, they are, they're, not, uh, they're just in chronological order with the story. Truth is, you need all six, okay? So the first trait that Joseph shows is boldness. If you want to make it in a career, you have to show boldness. I'm going to give you a definition for each trait. Boldness is the courage to think big, to show initiative, and to take risks for a dream while facing the possibility of failure. Boldness. The Bible says Joseph had a dream, and it was a dream so big, so incredible, so audacious, nobody believed it would ever be fulfilled. Joseph dreamed, clear back in, in Israel with his brothers, Joseph dreamed that one day he would be the most powerful leader in the world. All his brothers would bow down to him. Even his father would bow down to him. That's one of the reasons why his brothers hated him so much, because he told them about this dream. But was it true? Yes. Was it a dream from God? Yes. Was it fulfilled? Yes. Was it immature and foolish of Joseph to tell everybody? Yes. Okay? Not every dream should be shared with everybody. You only share the dream with people who can help you get there. You may not even tell everybody in your family your dream because your family's going to say, well, who do you think you are? I mean, they, they know all your faults. They know you as the little kid that was causing all the trouble. You don't share your dream with everybody. You share your dream only with the people who can help you fulfill it. I mean, look what happened when Joseph shared his incredible dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. When he told his father, as he told his brothers, his father rebuked him. What is this dream of yours? You know, sometimes you have to step out in faith even when it doesn't make sense. That's boldness. When you think, this is what God has called me to do. It's a dream God has put in my heart. I'm going to do it. God honors us when we step out in faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. And so sometimes you just have to step out with boldness because God has told you to do it. I remember years ago when I told my, my family, my mom, dad, brothers, my sister, I told them that I wanted to start a new church. And they thought I was crazy. You know, one of my brothers said, there are plenty of churches now that people don't go to. <laughs> Why would they go to your church? Okay? So where do you need to be bold? Where do you need to trust God? 
Where do you need to step out in faith? Take a risk, a big initiative uh, because of your dream. You know, boldness is a characteristic that we see in Joseph over and over throughout his entire life. Joseph makes one bold decision after another, and that's how he got the promotion of a lifetime. Second key to getting promoted, likability. People have to like you if you're going to get promoted. People trust you if they like you. If they don't like you, they don't trust you. Now, the Bible doesn't use the word likability. Uh, it uses the word favor. The Bible says that, that Joseph had favor with God in men. It says Jesus grew in favor with God in men. But that's likability. Likability is all through Scripture. Uh, too often we think that likability is a matter of personality. Likability is something that you're either born with or not. Uh, you know, it's something you either got it or you don't. But likability is not a personality. Likability is a choice. It's a decision. It's a, it's a behavior. It flows out of your character. It's how you choose to relate to other people. So if you want to be liked by other people, it's no big secret. The way to be liked by other people is you must like them. You know, if you like people, guess what? They'll like you. If you don't like people, guess what? They don't like you. You have to be likable. Definition of likability. Possessing the attractive attitudes and the relational skills that cause others to want to work with me. Attractive attitudes and relational skills are choices. They're decisions. It's not something you're born with. It's something that you develop as part of your character. Likeability means people want to work with you. You're fun to work with. They enjoy being around you. good example of Joseph, Genesis 39. Joseph lived in the home of Potiphar, his Egyptian owner. Soon Potiphar realized that the Lord was helping Joseph to be successful in whatever he did. Potiphar took a liking. Circle that phrase. Potiphar took a liking to Joseph. He was likable. And it made him his personal assistant. Joseph starts off as a slave, cleaning toilets and taking out the garbage, but he is likable. Potiphar likes him, and he makes him his personal assistant. You know, when we talk about likability, it means you've got to have attractive attitudes. Because some attitudes attract people to you, some attitudes put people off. You know, what, what's an attractive attitude? Well, how about humility? Is humility attractive? Would you rather be around a humble person or a haughty person? You know, when, when people are humble, you like to be around them. How about cheerfulness? Would you rather be around somebody who's cheerful or somebody who's a grump? You know, we want to be around optimistic people, people who are helpful, people who are enthusiastic. Joseph was likable. Potiphar liked him, and he promoted him. Number three, third key to getting promoted, capacity. Now, capacity is about the amount of abilities that you have. If you're already using all your abilities, you're not going to get promoted. If you're a four-cylinder person in a four-cylinder job, you're going to stay there. But if you keep developing, if you keep growing, if you keep honing your skills and learning, you're going to become an eight-cylinder, 12-cylinder person in a four-cylinder job, and now you've got more capacity for more responsibility, and you're going to get promoted. A definition of this, this quality. My potential for growth. My potential for growth. The desire to keep learning so I can increase in competence and handle greater responsibility. 
You know, what's your potential for growth? Are you reading books? Are you going to seminars? Are you taking classes? Are you developing your skills? Are you increasing your competence so you can take on more responsibility? You know, growing businesses require growing people. And the moment you stop growing, the business stops growing. So you've got to have capacity. And Joseph grew in capacity and increased responsibility. He keeps stretching himself, learning, and growing. Joseph is not the same person that he was 10 years ago back in Egypt. You know, Genesis 39, Joseph naturally became quite a favorite with Potiphar. Soon Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his entire household and entrusted him with all his business dealings. From the day Joseph was put in charge, the Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. You know, is God blessing the business you work for for your sake? Is God blessing that business because God wants to bless you? Is that church, that business, that organization prospering because you're part of it? You know, do you have that kind of capacity where God just keeps pouring blessing into your job and into the company that you work for? You know, Joseph was put in charge of Potiphar, an Egyptian slave owner's house, and God blessed that house simply because Joseph was there. All his household affairs began to run smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. Why? Because Joseph had capacity. Joseph had learned how to make stuff grow, how to make stuff flourish. You know, when he was a slave taken to Egypt, he wasn't able to handle all that stuff. He had to grow into that. He had to learn to manage livestock. He had to learn to manage a household. And if you keep learning, you keep growing, God will keep blessing. But if you stop learning, if you say, well, this is all I need to know, you're done. You're limited in capacity. Fourth key to getting promoted, reliability. Christians should be the most reliable people in the workplace, the most dependable, the most trustworthy, the most consistent, the most stable, the most steady, the most punctual. Christians should be known for reliability. If a Christian says he'll do it, he gets her done. Definition of reliability. Earning the trust of others by always keeping my promises and fulfilling my responsibilities, even if it requires sacrifice. If a project's given to me and the boss tells me it needs to be done in 10 hours and if 10 hours come by and it's not done yet, then I stick with it until it's done, even if it requires personal sacrifice. I put in the extra time. I put forth the extra effort because I'm reliable. Reliability means I get it done even if it requires personal sacrifice. And that earns trust of other people. Genesis 39.6, Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. I mean, the guy was a slave just a little bit ago. Now he has complete administrative responsibility over everything. With Joseph there, Potiphar didn't have a worry in the world except to decide what he wanted to eat. And this is a huge promotion for Joseph. I mean, Potiphar's a wealthy man, but, but with Joseph... He didn't have a worry in the world. And that's the greatest compliment that a boss could pay for you. I don't have to worry about it. I gave it to him. He'll do it. He'll take care of it. She's reliable. She'll take care of it. I can count on them. Only thing I've got to decide is where am I going to eat lunch? Okay? Because the people who are working for you are reliable. And the more reliable you are, the more responsibility you get and you get promoted. Joseph kept getting promoted because his bosses could trust him. Clear back when he was in, in prison, he was working for the warden, and Joseph found favor with the warden, and the warden put the entire prison under Joseph's control. You've got a prison prisoner running the prison because he is so reliable. 
He kept his word, even if it meant personal sacrifice. Fifth character quality in Joseph's life, loyalty. Loyalty is a quality that's in short supply today. You know, people today, loyalty, they're not loyal to companies, to bosses, to leaders, to contracts, even spouses. Loyalty is an old-fashioned quality that is so rare that when you find it in somebody, it, it, it shines out like a beacon. And one of the keys to loyalty is you don't talk about your boss behind their back. You know, that's loyalty. Disloyalty could be defined, one, one word, disloyalty is gossip. The you know, Bible says God hates gossip. You read through the book of Proverbs, write down all the negative stuff that God says about gossip and gossips. I mean, God detests gossip. God, God, God despises gossip because gossip destroys lives. Gossip destroys families. It destroys businesses. It destroys nations. On and on. Gossip is destructive. So you need to remember, and you already know this, but there are no secrets in the workplace. There are no secrets in the workplace. You know, the quickest way to get something spread around at work is to say, this is a secret. Okay? This is confidential. Don't tell anybody about this. It's everywhere. No secrets in the workplace. So that means that if you're talking about your boss behind his back, he already knows it. If you're doing that, he already knows it. Because people who gossip to you will gossip about you. People who will gossip with you will gossip about you. And the Bible says that the person who hears gossip is just as bad as the gossip. Because loyal people don't gossip. So here's the definition of loyalty. Loyalty is being faithful to my boss and to God when difficulty tests my commitment. When difficulty tests my commitment. Because it's easy to be loyal when everything is going great. You know, when there are no layoffs, when there's plenty of work, when there's lots of profit, lots of money to go around, everybody's loyal when things are going great. But when the business heads into the rocks, you know, that's where the real loyalty comes out. Because loyal people are there, not just in the good and easy times, loyal people are there even in the bad times. And folks, God is more interested in your character than he is in your career. So God is going to allow difficult times to come into your work life into the workplace in order to test your loyalty. And when those difficult times come, God's not testing your boss, God's testing you to see how loyal are you going to be. So he knows what he can trust you with in heaven. Joseph had a really tough test in Genesis 39. It says, now Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, probably like me. So I didn't think that was that funny. So Potiphar's... Potiphar's wife began to desire him and invited him to sleep with her. But Joseph refused. And I want you to notice why he refused. Here's where the loyalty comes in. He says, look, he told her, my master trusts me. You know, he didn't start with God in this situation. He gets to God in a minute. But, but his number one reason for being faithful, the reason for not committing adultery with her is my master trusts trust me. doesn't even talk about the sin at the start. He says, my master trusts me. I am loyal to your husband. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back. I mean, look at the gratitude there in Joseph. He's held nothing back from me except you because you're his wife. How could I ever do such a wicked thing to him? 
And, by the way, it would be a great sin against God. You know, he turns her down because of loyalty to his boss. And God looks at that and says, this is a guy I can use. I'm going to promote this guy because he's passed the loyalty test. Number six goes right along with it, and that's integrity. Integrity is more than just being honest. Uh, The word integrity comes from the root word integer. And an integer means a whole unit. Uh, It it means that it's integrated as one. Segregated means we're we're separated into segments. Integrated to have integrity means that we're all whole. And and, in a person's life, it means that what you see is what you get. You're not a phony. You're not a fake. You act the way with me that you act with everybody else. You act the way at work, the, the way you act at home with your husband, your wife, with your kids, the way you act on the golf course, the way you act at a bunco party, the way you act at dinner with your friends. You don't segment your life and act differently in different situations. The moment you start segmenting your life, this is my work life, this is my home life, this is my church life, this is my golf life, this is my porno life, you start segmenting your life like that, you've lost your integrity. You've lost your integrity. You need to act the same in every area of your life. Definition of integrity. Practicing in secret the values and beliefs that I claim to hold in public, not compartmentalizing my life. I mean, integrity is not what people think you are. Integrity is what you really are. Integrity is what you are when nobody's looking. Integrity is what you are in the dark when you're alone. That's the real you. Genesis 39, the woman pressured Joseph every day, every day, but he refused to have sexual relations with her or even spend time time with her that phrase is crucial even spend time with her what's he doing there he's creating boundaries in his life to safeguard his integrity you know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the moral margin sermon if you weren't here for that sermon i would beg you get the cd listen to it online because you have got to create safeguards and boundaries in your life to keep yourself pure to keep yourself promotable Now, here's the point of this. God wants you to stand out at work. He wants you to. He wants you to let your light shine, not hide it under a basket. God wants you to do good so you'll stand out at work. And if you develop these six traits, you will get noticed. Because this is not the way people live today. It's how God wants you to live, but it's not the way people live. Philippians 2.15, you are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of crooked and perverse people. See the contrast? Clean, innocent, pure children of God living in a dark world full of crooked and perverse people. That's you in the workplace. He says, let your lives shine brightly before them. That's what God wants you to do. So how how does your light shine? How can you shine before God? I'm going to give you these six character qualities and tell you quickly how you can develop them. A little acrostic there. I'd encourage you to cut that thing off the bottom of the bulletin and stick it inside your desk at work. Don't hang it up on the wall. You'll be like Joseph wearing your multicolored coat and you'll get beat up. Okay? But just stick it in your desk. Just review. You, you pay attention to it personally every day and say, this is what I want to do. I want to be a person who shines. You step out in faith. Every time you step out in faith, you're going to shine. That's boldness. You take big risks. You believe big things for God. You step out in faith. You help others succeed. That's likability. When you help other people at your work succeed, they'll like you. When you help your boss succeed, they'll like you. 
Likeability comes when you help other people reach their goals. Uh, improve myself daily. Increase your capacity. You're learning something new all the time, every day, so you become more valuable to the company. Because you become more valuable to your family, more valuable to yourself, more valuable to your church when you do that. Always learning, always growing. You know, leaders are learners. Leaders are readers. And you never make excuses. That demonstrates reliability. You don't make excuses at work, you know, if if you don't get stuff done, no excuses for poor performance. You know, you just own up to it, you step up to it, you get it done, even if it requires personal sacrifice. No excuses. And then you eliminate gossip. That shows loyalty. Shows loyalty to your boss, loyalty to your business, loyalty to your church, loyalty to God and His Word. And so you eliminate gossip. And then you safeguard your life. That protects your integrity safeguard your life. I mean, how many people have you seen over the years? How many people have you seen this last week who've trashed their career, their life, their family because they lost their integrity? They didn't maintain their purity. You've got to build those safeguards, that moral margin into your life. Now, this is a tall order. I mean, you look through this list and think, this is, this is big stuff. This is hard to do. How, how was Joseph able to do all this? What made Joseph stand out even in the midst of difficult circumstances? Jealous brothers, uh, in slavery, in prison, famine, economic ruin. What, how was Joseph able to stand out? Key verses here. Genesis 39.2 The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. The Lord was with Joseph. Genesis 39.3 Joseph's master saw that the Lord was with Joseph. And that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Genesis 39.5, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Genesis 39.20, while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him and granted him favor. What do those verses have in common? Well, God was with him. God was with Joseph. And that's the same God who wants to be with you. Do you know that? God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you in the workplace. God wants to be with you in your job. God wants to build these character qualities into you. That is God's plan, purpose, and desire for your life, that you be promoted, that you be promotable, not just here in this life, but throughout eternity. You know, God is not, not basing this on your past performance. God wants to do this because of the potential you have in heaven. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never invited Christ to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior, then He is not with you. And you're left to your own. And you cannot do these things through your own power. That's the problem. Too many people are trying to do these things through their own power. Even believers. And you can't do it. The key is you must ask God to be with you. To give His favor on your life so you can shine out at work and be blessed and God gets the glory. Let's pray together. Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Christ to come into your life. Maybe you just need to start out and say, Jesus, I, I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to be my Lord, my Savior. I want you to be my supervisor, boss, CEO, the manager of my life. I want my life under new management. And so, Jesus, today I ask you to come in. I'm tired of trying to do this in my own strength. I can't do it anymore.
And so I open my life to you. And maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've been a believer for years. But you've never invited God to come and be with you in your work. And so today, would you just say, God, I open up my work life to you. I ask you to come into my life. God, give me a spirit of boldness. Remove my timidity. Remove my fear. Help me to take the initiative to step out, to take big risks for you. And God, I, I want to be likable. I want to learn to like other people. I want to develop the attractive attitudes, the relational skills, so that other people will want to work with me. Lord, enlarge my capacity, my potential for growth. I, I commit myself to a lifetime of learning so I can handle greater responsibility now and in the future and in heaven. Lord, I want to develop a reputation for reliability. I'm going to earn the trust of other people by keeping my promises, by fulfilling my obligations, even if it means personal sacrifice. God, help me to be a loyal person, to be loyal to my boss, to my spouse, to my church, to you. I don't want to be a gossip anymore. I don't want to be disloyal. I want to be loyal, even when things are difficult. And God, I want to be a person. I want to be a woman, a man of integrity. I want to practice in secret the values I claim to believe in public. God, I need the Joseph factor in my life. I need you to be with me in my work so my life can shine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.